Hello, and welcome to On Wisconsin Workforce. I'm Caleb Frostman, your host and secretary of the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development. I'm here to talk about workforce development and economic development in our great state of Wisconsin. Today on On Wisconsin Workforce, I'll be talking with Chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Rebecca Blank, about the role the UW has in Wisconsin's workforce and economic development, and I'll also discuss job numbers with our chief Wisconsinist, Dennis Winters. We'll begin with Chancellor Blank to discuss the impact UW-Madison has on Wisconsin's workforce. Chancellor Blank, we're really excited to have you on our podcast this month. Well, thank you for inviting me um, to be part of this podcast, Mr. Secretary. It's, it's fun. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I grew up in the Twin Cities next door, went to the University of Minnesota because that's where all of my friends went out of my high school and um, uh, went to work in Chicago. After that, I was an economics major um, and decided that I wanted to go on in economics. So I became a person with a PhD in economics out of MIT in Boston and proceeded through a whole variety of jobs that were primarily academic jobs. Um, and then I had the pleasure, and it's one of the attractions of being an economist, of serving in Washington, D.C. and several different administrations. So, um, you know, by the time I um, started looking at this job, I had been a dean at the University of Michigan. I'd been the deputy secretary and acting secretary at the U.S. Department of Commerce. And I'd done a lot of sort of larger administrative organizational work. I can't say that I woke up at age 10 and said I want to be a <laughs> chancellor somewhere. It you know, sort of evolved mm -hmm. over time. Um, it was clearly I'd finished the first term in the Obama administration. I was looking at what my next job was, and the University of Wisconsin was open, and it's been good to be back here in the upper Midwest. Well, we're really glad to have you. Welcome back to Wisconsin. Thank you. That's fantastic. Uh, and you have been you know, chancellor at UW-Madison here since July of 13. Mm -hmm. Can you share some of the highlights from your tenure? One of the things you're most excited to talk about when folks ask about your time here. Well, you know, I'm really pleased with the number of things we've been able to do on campus. Um, for a whole variety of reasons, we've had an explosion of applications over my time here. And um, that has allowed us to both expand our undergraduate class and expand the quality of our class at the same time, something that you can't always do. Um, we've brought down time to graduation. Our graduation rates are among the top 10 among public universities in the country. So, you know, we're providing a really great product for students. And that's producing some word of mouth and bringing us even more applications. So I'm very proud of those outcomes. I will also say we've had some financial challenges, as have every public university in this country. Our whole financial model, which was we were majority funded by a state, has fallen apart in the last 25 years, and that's not unique to Wisconsin. So I've also put a lot of time into thinking about what's the new financial model for a big public university, and how do we be intre become entrepreneurial and generate more of our own revenues. I was a very proud uh, graduate in 2007, yes. and just glad that, uh, that you're back. This is great. And the university does an incredible job of educating our, our young people and, and does, as you mentioned, attract a lot of students from out of state. You know, how do we attract those non-resident students, uh, and what can we do as a state or as a university to retain our residents and our non-residents after graduation? Well, we're something of a hot school out of state right now, as okay. the increase in our applications indicate. And some of that, as I say, is we just have a great product. You know, students who come here go back and talk to their younger brothers and sisters or younger students in their high school, and it just generates more interest. And you can mm -hmm. really see those networks of applications expanding. So it's a great position to be in, particularly in a world where 
where many schools up here in the upper Midwest are seeing declines in applications because of the local demographics. And we've worked really hard to maintain our strong commitment to the state of Wisconsin, even as we're also admitting a few more out-of-state students. We, we are not reducing our commitment to Wisconsin in any way, shape, or form. We're, in fact, we're admitting a higher share of Wisconsin high school graduates now than we were 10 years ago. Really? Well, that's so, great. You know, it's, that's, it's, it's all good. The, one of the questions is, how do you keep Hill in Wisconsin? Of course, that's not just our out-of-state students, but our in-state students as well. And it is a little more challenging when you have Minneapolis right over one border and Chicago over the other. And some number of our students are attracted by the lights of the big city. But increasingly, we have some really attractive locations here in Madison, you know, uh, and I might say Milwaukee as well. Um, one of the things we are trying very hard to do is connect um, state employers into our career planning system. Mm -hmm. So when I go out and talk to employers around the state, and I was doing that just this last week, I say, particularly to the bigger companies, it's not enough just to show up when people are a senior. Um, because many Wisconsin companies, students have not heard of before. You know, they, they may not have heard of Hunsaker Farms, which is the biggest horseradish manufacturing in the world, and a lot of our food and science nutrition mm -hmm. people should be interested in it. Or they will not have heard about Oshkosh Trucks, which is a really great manufacturing company, but our engineering students. It's not a consumer firm. Those bigger companies need to be present at an earlier stage, perhaps being part of classes, um, being part of our career advising, maybe running student competitions, you know, doing something, making sure they have interns over the summer that get their name out. And then we can help them connect to students. And we're doing more and more to really do career advising for students and to link our students into employers for internships and then ultimately for jobs as, as soon as we can. And during your tenure over the last, uh, coming up on seven years, uh, you've been committed to expanding and improving educational opportunities both in and out of the classroom to better prepare our students uh, to succeed in today's economy. And so this is kind of a two-part question. Can you help explain how in-class instruction is essential for on-the-job success uh, and maybe share why out-of-classroom opportunities like internships uh, are so important for our students? Yeah. So um, in almost every job that you start in on at age 22, or that you start on after a master's or a PhD program, there's a certain set of technical skills you're expected to know in terms of how you write, how you do basic accounting, you know, how you analyze this type of thing in a lab, things that you really need classroom academic knowledge to understand. And of course, those technical skills in turn get buttressed by larger theories about how people order the world and think about it. And when you have you know, top graduates coming out, they're both good at thinking at a larger level about how do you order the world, what are the theories we understand, and having some very specific skills. And much of that does come out of reading and interacting with other students and with faculty in the classroom. You know, and increasingly, of course, this is happening online as well, but it's, it's that type of organized study that is classroom-based. On the other hand, and I say this to students all the time, if all you do is classroom work at the University of Wisconsin, you are um, wasting some of your time here. We are a great place to come and be educated and be in the classroom. We have wonderful faculty. But um, when you go out for a career, you're going to need some skills that the classroom alone can't teach you. It's why we encourage our students to um, do internships and to have some real-world work experience prior to them looking for that first job post-graduation. It's why we encourage our students to study abroad or to do something that's outside their comfort zone and exposes them to a different culture and a different way of thinking and pushes them to be a little bit more 
more independent and on mm -hmm. their own in a place they might otherwise go to. It is why we encourage students to be leaders in our almost a thousand student organizations. Um, you know, leadership skills, organizing, planning events, those are things every employer wants. And um, you learn that best by doing it. And many, mm -hmm. many of our students who've been in leadership, whether it's in the Greek system or our unions or one of our other organizations, come out with those skills in addition to their classroom skills. So this is a both and. A well-rounded student will do both. And this is a pretty broad question, but especially with all the program areas yeah. that Leadership Medicine offers, you know, what are some of our graduates looking for in jobs in 2020? Yeah, you know, um, I think most younger people are first looking for a job that they think makes a difference, that attracts them, that meets their passion. And, you know, in some ways, salary is secondary. That's not true for every one of our students. But, you know, we have people, we, we, we send more people out to um, um, uh, Peace Corps than any other university <coughs> in the world. You know, that's a very different experience. It's not a paying job, but man, is it a wonderful experiential learning. And for many of the students who go there, this really speaks to their passions of mm -hmm. what they're committed to as they look forward to their careers. Um, so, you know, that sense of finding a job that isn't just a job, but that interests them in some ways. I think you really see that with this generation of students. Students do care about, um, about salary, and um, they're young enough, they usually don't care too much about benefits yet, but they'll get there if they, they stay in the yeah. workforce very long. You know, they, they care about lifestyle issues, and you really see this, that <coughs> employers that advertise not just their jobs, but the lifestyle that they offer, you know, their involvement in the community, that type of thing, are very attractive to this generation of students. Um, it is interesting, anecdotally, here about some of the yeah. changes and shifts generationally, yeah. what these students are looking for, so it's great to hear yeah. um, that backed up here. Um, and you mentioned Chicago and Minneapolis. Yeah. I'm just curious if there are common post-graduation destinations. Uh, are they going back to their home states? Is it the big lights of the big city? Um, and from your perspective, what are some of the things Wisconsin can do to be more competitive in keeping those yeah. students? Well, our students go all over the world, so there isn't any one single right. destination where they end up in. Um, you know, for both Wisconsin students, even for Wisconsin students, you want to make sure that, if at all possible, they stay home. And it's one of the reasons why I say I want to bring as many Wisconsin students into Madison as possible, um, because if they stay here to college, um, they're much more likely to stay here to work. If they go away to the coast to college, they're not going to come back by and large. So, um, you know, I don't know that, you know, there are students who come from California or from New York and say, I'm definitely going back to New York City. I think a lot of our students are quite open. Again, they're looking for a particular type of job. They've gotten excited about whatever their major or skills are. And um, if the right company comes along in the right place, they'll be willing to try that. So we do have people who want to be in sort of an urban area with that mix of young 20s. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have people who are interested. I, I was just out at Century Insurance in um, just north of here in Stevens Point, And you know, there are students from central Wisconsin come to us and you know they want to go home. They want to work at home. Mm -hmm. They want to build a career and a family life there. And um, going back to a really major long-term great employer in the center of the state looks attractive to them as well. And they got a brand new, brand yeah. spanking new building yeah. that's pretty attractive yes, too. It's they not do. a bad spot to be. They do. And, and it's our job in part to make sure they make those connections. Right. right? Well, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier the university's thinking this way, uh, thinking more entrepreneurially as an institution. Um, you know, in your opinion, what role does UW-Madison have in nurturing entrepreneurship and driving economic growth here in Wisconsin? Yeah. Well, um, as you probably know, the Brookings Institution recently released a report um, about where were the fast-growing um, innovative economies and where should the federal government be investing to expand entrepreneurship and innovation. And Madison was number one on that list. And I might note Milwaukee was further down the list as well. So. Uh, 
you know, the, the question of what, you know, we have a real role to play, particularly in this state in the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial economy. Madison, even in the six and a half years I've been here, has just grown by leaps and bounds in terms of who's here, who's staying here, what's the venture capital that's available, how attractive is this for people to stay and start a business here, and we need to keep pushing on that. We provide a lot of those young graduates, and they like living in Madison, and they see this as an attractive place to stay post-graduation. We need to, in turn, partner with the state, with local businesses here, to make sure we've got the venture capital, we've got the space for them to start companies and grow, and we've got the type of mentoring environment that helps them, you know, building a business is not just about having a good idea. It's about knowing the legal environment, knowing how to set up a business, how to make contacts, how to do cold calls. And, um, you know, it, it really helps to have mentors and others around um, who can help you through that process. So as this network of entrepreneurship here in this area and around the state grows, you know, it, it, it feeds on itself. And the university is very central to that, given we are the source of a lot of those young people with good ideas who, who show up here and want to stay. It has been fun to see the growth of entrepreneurship in, in Wisconsin in general, yeah. but in Madison specifically, yeah. we were just at an event a month or so ago, and it was really enlightening to hear the folks about the, the growth of venture capital here in Wisconsin and the, the, the culture. And like you said, the, the mentorship is so important. That is developing here. So very uh, interesting roots are being put down. And you and I had a great discussion a couple months ago about this, but um, if you could give, give me and the listeners the pitch on the value proposition of a four-year degree at UW-Madison or a graduate degree, you had me ready to come back to school, and I think our <laughs> listeners will be equally compelled um, by the ROI uh, of an education at UW-Madison. So give us give us yeah. that pitch. Well, I mean, one reason to come back to school is just learning is simply fun, right? It that's, is. That's, that's one thing. But, you know, I am somewhat distressed by a... Um, attitude that you see out there right now that says, gosh, college isn't worth it. And I think that really misunderstands the current economy we are in. If you look over the last 10 years, much less over the last 20 years, there's only one group that has consistently shown income growth over that period, and that is college-educated workers or workers with more than a college degree. Any other group, even those with two years of schooling, have not shown consistent income growth. Um, You look at college-educated people in terms of health, they are consistently healthier. You know, their unemployment rates are Lower, not just do they make higher wages, but they're also employed much more consistently, much less likely to become unemployed. They're much more involved in um, the uh, civic aspects of the community where they live. And um, they r- repeatedly in surveys report higher life satisfaction. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for college degrees. I'm an economist, so I particularly have looked at the returns to education. You know, it's pretty... Um, unambiguous that a college degree is much more than worth the cost um, by virtually every study. And this is even trying to control for the fact that a different group of people goes to college than doesn't, right? And try to account for that selectivity, as they they call it. College-educated workers over their lifetime, depending on the study you look at, are making anywhere from a half million to a million dollars more than anyone who does not have a college degree. And that includes people with two-year degrees. Um, So... um, you know, the economic returns to this are unambiguous. Let me say something about student debt, because a lot of people say, well, they have so much debt, it's not worth it. First of all, at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, 54% of our students graduate without debt. I'm very proud of that number. It's well above the national average. Of those who do graduate with debt, their default rate on that debt is below 1%. The national average is 11%. That says the debt levels they have, they go out and get jobs, and they can pay it back without problems. So we don't have a debt problem at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, and we work with our students. Now, are there occasionally people who just 
take out too much debt and you know yes i won't say that doesn't happen but on average it does not happen and um you know, we are particularly concerned with making this affordable for lower income students so that, you know, small amounts of debt. The average student, I think, takes out about as much debt, of those who hold debt, the 46% with debt, of it's about the cost of a new car, right? Okay. It's somewhere around 25, 26, 27,000. Almost all of our students, when they leave school, want to go buy a new car. The minute you drive that off the lot, you've lost half the value of that car. Mm. You leave college, the returns to your college are going to grow every year. It's a, it's a good investment, and even if you do have to take a little debt out, if it's within reason, it is the right decision to do to invest in yourself. Well, there you go. You sold me. I'm coming back. There you go. I don't know. All right. We'll see if I can find time, but I've, you've sold me. I appreciate the, uh, the pitch and appreciate your time. This is wonderful. Yeah. I really appreciate your insight and all your hard work at the UW. It's, it's been fantastic. So thank well, you. I appreciate all of your work here for the state. Now that we've talked with Chancellor Blank, I'm very excited to be joined by Dennis Winters, our chief Wisconsinist here at DWD, to discuss December's job numbers. The December job numbers were released on the 23rd of January. Dennis, what did that data show us? The Wisconsin job numbers came in pretty positive, actually. Um, December total non-farm jobs increased by 9,800 over the month on a seasonally adjusted basis, and almost all sectors came in positive. Uh, construction was up 100 jobs. Uh, manufacturing was up 2,900 jobs. And we saw other big gains in leisure and hospitality. They were up some 3,600 jobs and trade was up uh, 2,500 jobs. So uh, we saw some mining was down a little bit, uh, about 100 jobs, and transportation and warehousing sector was off by about 1,800 jobs, and state government jobs were, were down 200. Um, Wisconsin unemployment rate, though, came in at 3.4%. That's very low level, and it's been near historic lows for a couple of years now. So uh, the U.S. unemployment rate's a tad higher at uh, 3.5%. So yeah, pretty, pretty good report. Okay, well, that's a good segue into our next question. Kind of in the uh, 2019, looking mm-hmm. at overall uh, results, how did Wisconsin fare? Where did we do well? Where are there areas for improvement? And, um, you know, how does Wisconsin compare to what happened across the U.S.? Well, yeah, on, a, on an annual basis, the seasonally adjusted CES total non-farm job numbers, as we, as we go with our specifications, uh, showed gains of 7,000 uh, year over year through December. So that was a good number, and the private sector was up 8,600 jobs. So that translates into uh, a 1,600 um, job decrease in the public sector, and that was mostly in uh, local government. So and then we saw you know yearly job gains in construction up up 4,000 jobs. Healthcare has been up 2,500 jobs over the year. Professional and technical services were up about 2,300 jobs. The list goes on. Retail trade came in. Uh, up about 8,500 jobs for the December number, and we think that number is a little hot given that what we know about shifts toward online shopping and, and uh, workforce constraints and such. But, and then the, the CES data reported an annual decline in manufacturing jobs of 4,100, but as we've talked about previously, right, we believe the CES data is underestimating manufacturing jobs this year, and uh, as the QCW data is showing significant gains through September. So we think that's going to continue and going forward. On the national front, uh, national numbers have been strong in 2019 and throughout the economic expansion, actually, which we know is the longest on record now. So uh, national jobs increased every month since October 2010. By oh, wow. far, yeah, the lo- longest uninterrupted you know, job expansion uh, that we've ever seen. Uh, and it added about 22 million jobs since October 2010. So... Um, that's about a 16.5% increase over the period. 
Uh, during that time, Wisconsin added about 255,000 jobs uh, since its recession nadir in October 2010, and that's about a 9.3% increase. So, and Wisconsin jobs has been a little slower than the country as a whole um, by the workforce constraints we've, we've talked about for some time now. And Wisconsin is also a state that has industry concentrations in manufacturing and agriculture, so those two sectors are heavily affected by you know, trade policy uh, activities that have been going on lately. Okay. So, but all in all, job numbers paint a pretty positive portrait of the state and national economies, and we expect that to continue into 2020. We expect continued job gains. Uh, that should keep increasing aggregate earnings, um, which we expect the consumers then to keep power in the economy. Well, that's very, uh, very optimistic. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. The last episode, we touched on the county profiles, a product that your team puts out um, on each even-numbered year. Um, you had mentioned this is one of the most popular products that, you, that your team produces. Uh, I would just like to maybe get specific this month and maybe touch on two counties, a little bit more detail, uh, starting with Dane County and Sauk County. What are we looking at for the outlook for these two counties in the near term? Yeah, the county profiles, I say, one of our most popular products. The profiles include data and information about demographics, workforce, economic situation in each of Wisconsin's 72 counties, among other things. So the content is based uh, and used for general information, economic and workforce development planning, and as material for grant applications, a lot gets pulled out of there, as well as just general knowledge. So, uh, and Dane County and Sauk County, I mean, they're adjacent counties, but their their uh, economic constitutions are are quite different. So, uh, for example, Dane County is much more populated. You know, it's got about 530,000 people in it, uh, versus Sauk County with about 63,000. So, and Dane County's employment's about 10 times that of Sauk County, and and Dane County is growing a lot faster, too. It's probably the fastest growing, well, I think it's the second fastest growing county in the state uh, next to St. Croix up toward Minneapolis. But Dane County's employment is heavily weighted in retail and government and education, as we know. And Sauk County, on the other hand, has got high employment concentrations in retail and manufacturing. So whereas Dane County's education and health services um, constitute about 25% of uh, Dane County employment, it must have just... 8% in Sauk County, but Sauk County's got about 17% of their jobs in manufacturing versus 7%, say, in Dane County. And Sauk County, you know, with Dells and all, he's kind of largely leisure and hospitality. So those sectors, as we see, constitute 21% of Sauk County employment, just 10% in Dane County. Uh, and then the Sauk County wages, actually, in leisure and hospitality are higher than what we see in Dane County. Interesting. So that's where their, that's where their concentration is. Um, and about 14% of Sauk County's workforce commutes into Dane County. So we've got all kinds of fun facts. Uh, uh, and very little goes the other way. But that might, as you might expect, is you've got you know, a large metro area pulling in workers from all, all around. So, But on the whole, yeah, we expect employment gains in both counties over the next 10 years, but probably in different sectors, health and education in Dane County and recreation in Sauk County. So, you know, Sauk County benefits from being near Dane County for jobs. Uh, And Dane County depends on Sauk County for a significant number of workers. So I guess you'd call it a symbiotic relationship. Um, And lastly, you know, not many folks um, are aware that your team has regional economists or Wisconomists uh, stationed (laughs) in every corner of our state. 
and part of their role is assisting local communities and economic development groups uh, with interpreting these numbers, interpreting labor, labor force and economic data uh, to help individuals understand some of the trends on employment and economic growth, uh, which can be a big influence on economic development priorities or projects or business expansions. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the services that that team provides? Uh, sure. Um, one of the sections in our bureau is what we call the Office of Economic Advisors. Uh, and this office consists of 10 economists. Two are charged with generating job predictions, job projections that we do by industry and occupation. Uh, two are what we call at-large researchers. Uh, so they take on whatever we drop on their desk. Um, and in six, six of those staff are what we call our regional economists, or regional specialists. Uh, and they're kind of our field staff, right? We, they, we've got them in offices around the state. They're in Milwaukee, Green Bay, Wausau, Superior, Eau Claire, and, and La Crosse. Um, and one does double duty here in Madison. So, and they serve as local experts for economic and workforce data and information and analysis. Uh, they, they work in sort of a consulting role um, with the myriad of partners we have across the state. So <clears throat> we try to find out what um, our partners need day to day and, and see how, how we can assist them. And then they will respond to about anything from, you know, what is the local unemployment rate uh, to conducting a survey of local businesses we did to determine working, uh, worker supply demand gaps. And, and even on to congealing, you know, local uh, economic development committees and such and, and helping them uh, strategize and, and pull in lots of data. So they work independently, but also as a group with other OEA and actually LMI, LMI staff or labor market information staff is on the other section, uh, depending on the questions and area of expertise. So um, we've got staff to do economic impact analysis or GIS mapping or job projections. Um, and we've been able to translate, you know, the effects of automation. So they, it's a, it's a good team. Uh, we, we rely on the expertise, uh, who's ever got it in the group. And, um, so it's all pretty much a group, group effort. Uh, and it's, yeah, probably our, our, our most popular sub-state product, right, is the workforce profiles we talked about. But each regional specialist is responsible for writing up each county's report. So uh, they're the ones that are charged with knowing what's going on uh, in, their, in, their, in their territories. And so, um, and, and we're always ready to present, you know, bring us out and have us lay out what our outlook is for, for your territory, your region, or county. And so we're out there and we try to put any outreach. So Say if you don't know our regional economists, that's our fault. Uh, I encourage everyone to contact them uh, for services along those lines, and their contact information is up on the website. That's great. Well, I know I've seen their work. It's fantastic, and I would encourage all the folks listening to reach out to the Office of Economic Advisors, and uh, you won't be disappointed. They're great, intelligent folks with really strong insights. So thanks, Dennis, for being here today. We appreciate it. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of On Wisconsin Workforce. If you want to learn more about the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development, check out our website at www.dwd.wisconsin.gov. You can also follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn by searching for the Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WI Workforce. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Department of Workforce Development Secretary Caleb Frostman, and this is On Wisconsin Workforce.